0: and welcome to the Eastman's Predator Pros Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Nimnick. Appreciate you tuning in for another episode. This one's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to run a solo episode here. I'm going to be talking about all the coyote hunting equipment I use. I get tons and tons of questions through social media, um, questions on our YouTube series, all the time about equipment. Um, So I figured it would be great just to run down in in very specific detail, you know, from my rifle to my optics and how I have all that set up. to predator hunting seats, e calls, radios, uh, predator hunting seats, um, and even some truck accessories. Um, you know, I'm going to talk about what I'm using now and why I'm using it. I'm going to talk about you know maybe even things I've tried in the past and why I'm using what I'm using now. So hopefully, you'll get some great information, especially if you're in the market to be uh, purchasing some some new coyote hunting equipment. Hopefully, this episode will help. But before we get going, I'm excited to announce a new partner on the podcast, uh, Cryptech Camo. And, uh, I love camo. We all do obviously as coyote hunters. Um, probably not as big of a deal to the coyote as it is to us. Um, more so for me, um, you know, hunting out West, uh, you know, we're calling in, in terrain. That's, you know, a lot of gr- grays and yellows and light colored Browns, you know, not so much the dark timber. So I'm looking for those patterns that, you know, are going to be on the lighter side. Um, and you know, for, for a camo company, I want somebody that's going to give me a lot of options. You know, when I dress for coyote hunting, I'm dressing in layers. You know, a lot of times we're out in the morning and it's extremely cold, but within, you know, two or three hours as we're hunting through that midday, you know, the temperature may be 30, 40 degree swing. So I want some, some clothing that I can shed and, and get rid of and add back on without, uh, you know, being too bulky and being able to move her. So I'm excited to, to get this, you know, line of Kryptek camo in, uh, I'm going to be running the Highlander pattern. Um, so once I start getting this in, in, in using it, I'm going to fill you guys in on some of the, the specific products. They offer a, a ton of lines out there. Um, I'm excited to see what the cold weather aspects of them, of the clothing line are like, um, as well, but either way, I'm going to keep you guys filled in on that and, and stay tuned. I, I got some message. I got some news from the Eastman guys that they're actually coming out with a new camel pattern, uh, later this summer of 2022. So, uh, they said uh, it might be right up our alley as far as predator hunters and even big game hunters. So I'm excited to see that. So if you got any information, or if you need some information, or want more information on the Cryptek Camel lineup, visit CrypTech.com Podcast. I'm your host Jeff Nimnick. Thanks for tuning in for another exciting coyote hunting episode. Gonna have a, a buddy of mine named Jim Smith on this episode. Now Jim's a, a South Dakota coyote hunter. Uh, been killing coyotes for lots and lots of years up there. I've had the privilege of, of meeting Jim through the Lucky Duck community. Um, actually had the chance to meet him out at the World Coyote Calling Contest for the first time. You know, spoke to him on the phone quite a bit. Uh, but, uh, you know, we got to talking and decided, hey, let's uh, let's get together down the road here and do a podcast. So, you know, we're going to talk a, a little bit about the opportunities in South Dakota for coyote hunting. Um, you know, Jim was a longtime hand caller, recently has just kind of tuned over to the to the e-call side of things, you know, so I'm curious to kind of get his take um, on, you know, why he made that switch. You know, obviously there were some advantages to hand calls, but, um, you know, there's obviously more advantages to using e-call, at least in my opinion. So I'm kind of curious to see, um, you know, what he has to say about that. So should be some good information for you guys. But before we get going, I want to acknowledge partner of this episode, which is six hour optics. Um, You know, I started shooting SIG this year, I've been totally impressed um with what I've have, you know, optics is huge to me, you know, my rifle and my optics are where I make my money. Um and I got to have confidence that you know whatever I'm using when I'm, you know, my truck or my rifle basically sits in my truck for 5 months straight throughout coyote season and it's getting bounced around and beat around when we're off-road and going from coyote stand to coyote stand and down two tracks and I need optics that are going to stay true and straight zero and all season long. You know, I I was able to get that uh um, Sierra 6 BDX scope on my gun uh, right after the first of the year. So it was in my truck for well over two months. Um, actually just went to the range um, here towards the end of the season and it was dead on, you know, didn't didn't get knocked off. Uh, but one thing I want to specifically talk about is is the Red Dot Reflex sight that I use on the side of my AR. And, you know, this is for these close quarter coyotes. So really all I'm doing is putting a 45 degree mount. Like I think i specifically I have maybe a Weaver 45 degree mount. It hooks into my p- top of my Picatinny rail, and then it has another Picatinny rail on the side of it at a 45 degree angle. So all you do is mount your your red, de- red dot reflex sight on the side of that. You know, specifically, I'm running that Romeo 3 XL. Uh, comes in a 6 MOA dot, which if you're unfamiliar with what that really means, that 6 MOA dot means at 100 yards, that dot is going to cover up essentially a 6-inch target. Um, you know, 50 yards is going to cover up a 3-inch target. So, um you know, for me, that six MOA dot is really good. Your eye picks it up because it's a little bit bigger dot, but it's not going to completely cover up the whole coyote. You know, you can still specifically put this right on the shoulder of a coyote, um, you know, or get it out in front of a, a running coyote, like almost like a bead on a shotgun, um, and it can work. But anyway, um, I take this red dot, I dial it in at about 20, 25 yards. Um, And then it seems like it's dead on anywhere from maybe 15 out to to 45 yards. And really, this is my tool to handle those coyotes that come running in fast and hard that I can't get stopped, especially if you don't have a shotgun. Um, And then I'm able to, you know, it's just a lot easier to to get these coyotes in the red dot reflex sight as opposed to trying to get them in your scope. And the one thing I really love about this Romeo 3XL is the size of the screen. Um, Some red dot sights out there, the screen's a little bit smaller. This one's extra big. And I like it because it gives me a little more room to find the coyote in that glass screen um, as they're running and able to get that red dot out in front of them. So if you're in the market, want a solution to maybe kill those close coyotes without having to pack in a shotgun with you all the time, you know, visit SigSauer.com dot and, com uh, and look for that Romeo 3 XL red dot reflex sight. You won't be disappointed. Well, Jim, great to have you on the podcast, buddy.
1: Hey, good to be here, Jeff.
0: So let's jump right into it. Um you know you're a South Dakota guy you know I, I haven't got a whole lot of info on your background just through all the conversations and knowing you for the last handful of years but uh you know one thing I like to do is kind of introduce my guests basically from a coyote hunting standpoint so you know talk to us about how you got your start in coyote hunting um was it in South Dakota was it not and, and kind of give us a rundown from there
1: <laughs> all right well I could I'm gonna have to think back a little bit here Jeff <laughs> <laughs> oh it's uh, it's one of those things you just kind of never really forget. Um, you know, I, I come from uh, a large family of outdoorsmen, big time hunters. I mean, uh, everybody was, it was always deer hunting, you know, big deer hunting, deer hunting, deer hunting. And that's kind of what everybody did. Um, I, uh, oof, I was probably, well, I started getting into the, the, I wanted to get into the turkey hunts. It kind of all bases, kind of started a little bit off turkey hunting. Um, <laughs> I got a turkey call, diaphragm turkey call and stuff like that, and started playing around with that. And met a guy and uh he started talking about coyote hunting stuff i was about 12 years old and then uh you know i had a couple of friends of mine who, you know you know kind of could do a lot of things a little different back in the days you we'd we'd take his he had some shotguns we'd take them I was, we're young not supposed to be really you know out on your own shooting shotguns but we sneak oh, yeah. the back pasture behind a house and had a tally hole and We'd sit down underneath them pine trees and just go to screaming away on a tallyho, not really knowing what we were doing, just throwing some <laughs> stuff out there. And here come, you know, big flocks, crows, and magpies and stuff. And one, one time we just I just turned to look over to my right and I'll be the dang, there's a coyote standing there about, about probably 50 yards, you know. And <clears throat> we never never got him or anything, but you know, just <laughs> kind of blown away like, holy cow, what did we just do? You yeah, know. Yeah. And then uh after that it was, you know, a little bit older, 16 probably. You just yeah, in the meanwhile, there, you know, I tried coyote, you know, hunting coyotes and calling them and just never did ever really do very well. Always kind of failed. You know, I think that's kind of the thing. Guy needs to maybe, you know, try a little bit, fail you, Failure you. sometimes when you don't, you know, call one in all the right away, or you just kind of, you know, you you, you struggle. You just struggle. And oh, yeah. You, That's probably, I think, you know, a better teacher than being successful. It was for me, I should say. And, uh, you know, later in life, around 15, 16, I say, I say right in there, I met a guy and and, uh, he would always tell us stories. I met him shooting archery and I used used to shoot competitions and stuff. And he'd say, hey, you know, man, we go down to Cheyenne River and this guy's a lot older. We call, you know, coyotes and bobcats and stuff. Like, you know, we'd sit and listen to his stories and he'd tell me all about it and uh, always said i'll take you with me someday and he did and there's this guy by the name of mark cabers and uh him and i have become pretty good friends over the years and stuff and, and one time he takes me down there and pulls out his johnny stewart tape recorder with unwraps <laughs> a speaker cord sets the speakers oh, yeah, out. yeah and i was just kind of hooked ever since then like you know i would never been really exposed to anything like that in and, and my family traditionally wise because everybody was big old deer hunters you know and and uh I kind of was breaking out of the deer hunting and experiencing with the coyotes I just kind of really had a fascination with the coyotes all the time and and, and you know this guy he he'd take me coyote hunting and, and I got to learn from him so that's kind of you know how uh I got my start and from there I just kind of progressed and and just kept after it with a a bazillion stands of of failure and uh, and you know I, I try everything I never gave up I never quit I just kind of kept going moving forward with it and just kind of started really understanding them you know like one time we were turkey hunting and that was my cousin and my and I and turkeys roosting up in the trees and and they're across a big canyon and they're gobbling well we were young kids and we're screwing around making all kinds of weird noises with the turkey calls and next thing you know this kyle bellers off on the ridge top over there and uh, we were both looking at each other like what the heck was that you know and and i was running diaphragms and so i kind of tried to mimic him and scream back at him like kind of a howl sounded more like an elk bugle probably that you know but hey you know it, it got his attention he screamed back at me and and uh next thing we know he was coming barreling right down through the bottom of that canyon he was coming right at us and heck we were just shooting old six shot with a shotgun you know for turkeys and he come through and we peppered him up good but we never got him rolled up and he was spinning and off he went you know but never got him but uh after that boy i was hooked that was it it right just there. takes
0: one it just takes it does. Of time, does not it It does a little does. success early on and that's your story is very similar to a lot of people you know a lot of guys that have just got started in coyote hunting in the last handful of years their story is really similar just didn't happen 30 years ago you know and right. uh you know i think guys are all outdoorsmen they kind of wow this coyote hunting stuff looks kind of cool you know um yeah yeah, and and if you can just get a little taste of success early on, you know that carries you through. Like you said, all the 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 crappiness <laughs> of you know <laughs> stuff not working out, and, and educating coyotes and missing coyotes and not working out the way you want it to. But you always can kind of remember back to that little taste of success you had, which helps push you through. You know, to continue
1: wanting to get better and continue to want to you know go out and call coyotes. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I uh, I proceeded to to carry on with the diaphragms at that point. And I was like, well, you know, I'm, that, that worked, he came running, you know, but, but here it was another one of those things. It was, uh, I using coyote vocals at, uh, pertaining to time of year when I was hunting turkeys and, you know, one of them coyotes was that his area It was in his, you know, later in life, yeah, yeah. you know, that there's times a year you try to, tune in to certain sounds and, and stuff like that. And, and it, and that's why, you know, I kind of kept after the, the diaphragm stuff. And then later in life, I, I didn't even know the guy, uh, I was at a job site over in Wyoming. And, uh, here the whole time I'd been working for a guy in a company whose, uh, family relative was an absolute coyote slayer. And, no clue I had no idea who the guy was and and uh just you know I never really followed that side of it much but you know I one time I'm on a on a job site and I walk out and we're going to our trucks and this guy he rips off with a coyote call on a diaphragm and I'm like well, what the heck you know <laughs> and I kind of look at him and he's smiling at me and we're oh we start talking you know and
0: I'll be dang, It was Dave Tatum. Oh no, Dave, huh? <laughs> it was old
1: Dave. So people, it, you know,
0: let's back up a little bit. You know, if, if you, if you've never heard of Dave Tatum, you know, he kind of came on the scene a little bit in some of Randy Anderson's original, you know, videos, you would see Dave. And he was kind of known for what howling on a
1: diaphragm, wasn't he? Absolutely. He's very, very good at it. So that was a turning process for me right there in, uh, Got to visiting with the guy, we, we worked together and, and we, we would hang out at nights and, and talk coyotes and, and stuff. I mean, we just, I lived it, it was my life. And then, man, you know, he probably got sick of me. I probably was a nuisance to him <laughs> for quite a few <laughs> years there, but <laughs> he would, uh, I'd be on the phone with him. Hey, 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 hold on a second. Like, how's, tell me what you think of this. How's this sound? I'd set the phone down, grab the call give a call, pick the phone back up. Hey, Dave, what'd you think of that? And he'd say, sounded pretty good, buddy. Try a little bit of this, you know? So it went on like that for years. You know, I've I've never got to share a stand with Dave. I've talked to him at thousands of contests and competing against him. And uh, you know, he just, he, it was cool because Dave was never ever too good to share anything with you. But Dave is old school. He wouldn't give it to you, but he'd give you a tip. And, ha- and you go out and you try it. And, and if it worked, then that was something for you to absorb and try to figure out, you know, on another stand later in the day or later down the road or weeks, months later, how you put it all, all the pieces of that puzzle together. Dave never, he never gave me nothing, but he gave me little tips. Yeah, yeah. And it really helped you grow as, as being a efficient coyote hunter. And, uh, well, it he, was... got,
0: he got you pointed in the right direction, but didn't bottle feed you,
1: you know? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Made you, made you 100%. Kind of, which,
0: yeah, it, it sticks I a lot more it. when you figure it out on your own. It just seems like it sticks with you a little bit longer, you know, or it truly does. It, sinks it truly a does. Better maybe, I guess is the, the right term.
1: Yes. So, absolutely. So to true. the diaphragm true.
0: howling stuff, you know, that's something that's new to me. It's I've, I've never done any, well, Work on a diaphragm howler hell to be honest with you I never even used hand calls till well maybe the first few years, but as soon as I could afford a dang uh, you know electronic cassette you know e-call I was using those hundred percent of the time so how long did you run how long did you run you know diaphragms and, and the hand call kind of stuff before you started to transition over into more electronic stuff
1: you know that's a really good question jeff it's a uh, it really hasn't been that long and I I will say, let's see, uh, 10 years. It's been roughly close to 10, 10 years. I'd say I, I, uh, I so just never...
0: coyote hunted for what? 20, 20 years, maybe 15, 20 years, pretty hard.
1: 30, you third using 30 total, 30 total. Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah, so, yeah so maybe 15 or yeah. the first 15 or 20 of those, you were pretty hardcore with the hand calls and the diaphragms oh. and, you know, yep. so what was, yep. so when you got to the point when you said, you know what, I'm going to start you know, looking into these e-calls, you know, cause I'm sure there's some guys out there that are, are in that same boat right now. You know, what were kind of some of the factors you looked into to kind of sway your decision to be like, wow, you know, maybe, maybe this is something I want to try and, and work my way into.
1: Yeah. So I was, it was like, I kind of was looking at calls that had really good coyote vocals on them. Cause at that time, like by the time I was ready to actually buy a uh, electronic call, you know, it, it was, Oh, I, I had kind of wrapped my style, I should say, around killing coyotes with, with coyote vocals and, and coyote bass sounds. That's uh, that's kind of where I shine. This is my kind of yeah. year. I, I usually do the best. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> I use them year round, but uh, I, so I was looking for a caller on the market that was really, really good with, you know, some really good howls on it, some really good pup distress, some really good sounds and stuff. That's kind of... I kind of took to the electronic stuff more uh, once I started using them, because I'll tell you what, you know, when you go from being a hand call guy and, and then you get that electronic call, you start, your mind starts really changing on your thought process, a stand set up, uh, stand, uh, you know, like just different tactics that you can really set yourself up better to maybe be able to shoot that downwind coyote, you know, you can, oh, yeah, really, yeah. that's your setup is, is, is it's the things you can do with an e-caller to this day. I'll say, I've gotten so lazy. I don't hand call at all anymore because <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. Hey, I don't like, call it lazy. I call it working smarter, you know, <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is. it is, And you know, I mean, yeah, I can howl diaphragms. Yeah. I can make some good sounds, but I'll tell you what there it's, it's really tough um to, uh, to beat the vocals on, on a lucky duck. It is such a huge vocabulary library of coyote sounds in general, as uh, the the vocals, the 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 fights. I mean, you can't, you just there's so much more you can add to your little bag of tricks, and it's you the things that you can, how you can set yourself up to to uh, execute your stands, and just you know, it's it's amazing the things. So I've gotten to where I I gun. <laughs> I use electron caller a lot more nowadays than, than ever. And I pretty much, uh, I got the diaphragms with me, but they kind of sit, the, sit in the truck anymore.
0: Well, you could probably do it. You know, I know a lot of guys, I don't personally do it, but you know, I'm sure you, um, you probably use a combination, right? I mean, you're using electronic do. call and then doing some, how so you can kind of throw some scenarios out there and, and things like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll you know, I'll use my e collar and, you know, I'll set my e-caller out, um, further to an up, upwind side of me. And then I'll, Answer my e-caller back with diaphragms every now and then. And, you know, oh, yeah. if I rabbit playing or something, sometimes I'll kick in a little pup distress just off a diaphragm. Or if I got a kayak a working to my kill side that I'm set up to, you know, really shoot on my downwind side, then I want to stop him. I'll give him a little pup distress, or maybe I'll bark at him or something like that just to get him to. To stop with the diaphragm just just something to get them stopped so i can get a good shot but yep yep i mean it is really is the e-collar world has it has changed like i said i 10 years maybe i've been running an e-collar and in the last i'd say five holy cow what a what a change yeah
0: it's t- technology is awesome i've always been about technology i mean it, it seems like you know one thing that's always kind of amazed me or I, i've always get a chuckle out of it is You know, guys are all about technology with rifles and scopes and optics. Right. But yet that same guy that wants to shoot, you know, a a 20 to 250 with the best scope on it and have a dial on it for long range shooting or whatever it may be. He'll be stubborn enough that he still wants to stay using, you know, hand calls. And, you know, I always I just find that interesting to me. Like, you know what, if man, if you're going in for technology, let's go all in on technology, you know. Um, Yeah. But, you know, I do see I do see the advantage of being able to do both. Um, you know, and still, still incorporate the hand call stuff, you know, especially mm-hmm. with your diaphragms and, and, you know, at the same time you're running the e-call.
1: You know, I, I mean, I, I, I loved, I, uh, hand call still. It's just, uh, I just found myself to where I can be more precise. I can be more, uh, efficient on how I set up and I can take the focus off of me. You know, when I'm when I'm working that coyote, I can I can take the focus off of me as to, you know, uh, getting busted, moving a hand around a little bit, you know, with hand calls and stuff like that. Oh yeah, Um, it's just I I like being able to surprise that coyote. He has no idea where I'm at or what's going on when I'm able to, you know, take the shot and that's that's something I like. I, it's a game. It's a game of hide and seek, and I like it. I like that game, and I like, I like it when I successfully execute the stand the way I intended to when I walked in and sat down and looked at it. That's That's the game.
0: Well, I suppose, too, you know, you're in the same boat up in South Dakota as I am down here in Nebraska. You know, we don't always have the best cover, you know, to hide amongst when you're sitting on a stand. I mean, a lot of times we're sitting on a a side of a hill with grass three inches tall you know we don't there's not hardly any there's maybe no yuccas at all no rocks no bushes no trees and you're just kind of sitting out there on in the grass side hill uh, i'm assuming that's similar some of the stuff you're you're calling is very similar i'm guessing right
1: it is yeah you know uh we have a huge uh diversity of ground up here it's a lot of I mean, you got river bottoms, you got crick bottoms, you got brushy draws and rolly hills. You may go 50 miles and be in pivots and, and, uh, a lot of egg ground. You may be in winter wheat fields with calling edges of winter wheat fields with, you know, a little bit of grass that never got mowed and, and, uh, just some brush. I mean, it's it. And then next thing, you know, you can be in a full blown badlands. I mean, you can go 50 miles the other way and be in full blown badlands. And then you got you really got to have your eyes about you because they pop up anywhere, you know, and uh, tight quarters, usually shotgun type stuff. It's it's, it's a huge diversity of different types of terrain in this country here. I mean, heck you shoot a coyote at five feet, you shoot one at thousand yards. <laughs> it yeah. goes. Yeah. It's crazy.
0: You know, so back to the the conversation here about using that eco, you, you were talking about, you know, they the coyotes aren't on you. You know, they're not looking at you. Obviously if you're blowing a hand call, the sounds coming right from where you're sitting you know, obviously the sound's coming right from where your scent trail's coming from. You know, the scent trail that at least we're concerned about. You know, right. being able to get that e-call out away from us, now their focus is on the sound. And as long as you're not moving, um, you know, I found pretty good success. You know, I could be sitting in the wide open and it's almost like coyotes get some sort of a tunnel vision towards that sound. You know, they maybe only see maybe 20, 30 yards on each side of that, that sound as they stay focused on it as they're coming to the call. And if you're outside of that, funnel of vision that they kind of have focused on the call they really don't pick you out if you're not moving you know even though you may think you're just you know sitting out on the side of the hill looking like a bump on a log you know
1: absolutely and utilizing that is
0: huge i think um you know like you said you can take a stand that maybe might not be the best you know and you can turn it into a stand that can be successful um, just because you can run these e-calls now the remotes are you know capable of going well over 100 yards if you wanted to Um, But yeah, just being able to get that away and you can almost funnel coyotes right down into it. You talk about setting up stands and and things like that. That's one thing that I really like to do is is like to use my imagination and say, okay, you know, how can I funnel this coyote into right here um, and get him killed right down here? And where are we going to sit to make that happen? Where can I put the e-call to make that happen? Um, To me, that's the fun of of using an e-call is being able to set up things like that and molding things to the way you want
1: them. Absolutely. No, that's and that's why I've gotten to where I. I really enjoy running electronic callers. And I, I, you know, in the beginning I was that diehard guy. Oh, I'm just going to run hand calls. That's it. I'm <laughs> just a hand caller. Da, 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 da. You know, and, and I, I called in and killed a lion um, right here by my house and called it in with a hand call and well, I just found distress, you know, on a hand call. Oh Yeah. Yeah. About 16 feet. I shot that cat and Oh, I'll tell you, I was like, Oh, that's it. I'll never run a electronic caller <laughs> I'm a hand <laughs> caller for a lot. yeah I don't know now now there's just when you go from hand calling and the difference in the thought processes and things like that and your mind gets thinking of other ways and things and that you know what truly just makes you really really good tie hunters just being really open-minded and and uh being able to recognize change and adapt to it you know and uh you find something that works for you, you got your little niche and that's but well, makes a guy, you know, a really a really efficient or effective, however you want to say it, put it, a, a good coyote killer, you know. Yep. And I, I've just kind of found that now with e-callers. I just found found the one I want and the one I like and it works and lucky duck's it. It just yeah, I'd love the vocals because I'm a you know, I like coyotes and talking to them and, and, and it's it's got a huge vocabulary out there and uh, just really where really the works for me, I really like it. we've
0: we've talked about that a lot. You know, Rick's been on the show a handful of times. Um, You know, we've talked about those kind of sounds and kind of vocals and, you know, you know, they're just hard to get, you know, to make them sound great. He's always done a crazy good job of, of getting those recorded the right way and things, you know, which is, you know, it's a big, big game changer. But, you know, the thing I want to mention here about electronic calls is it's just it's essentially a tool, you know, of what we're using. And just like any tool, you can use it the right way. You can use it the wrong way you know, e-calls do, you know, you look back and some of the, I would say some of the more old school guys that have been, been coyote hunting for years, you know, e-calls to them sometimes do get a bad rap because a lot of new guys that are getting into the sport, um, it is it is a lot easier for them to pick up an e-call and the sounds are right there. All you have to do is push play, you know, pick the yeah. volume you want. Um, you don't yeah. have to go through the hours of learning how to blow a diaphragm like you did or, or blowing a hand call um, and stuff like that. But like I, like I said, it's a tool. So, you know, if you learn how to efficiently use that tool, you will definitely be a better coyote hunter, you know, and a <laughs> tool, you know, it's just the way it is. And, um, you know, so I hope if anybody's listened to this and you recently bought an e-call, don't think it's that easy that you can just push play. And, you know, I hope you put some thought into, you know, where you're going to place the call, you know, how you're going to manipulate the call and, and, you know, let it help you um, yeah. in the setup
1: the setup is huge really it is and i mean and then pertaining to time of year you know it's where a guy is hunting well uh, heck maybe in october he's got a pile of coyotes in that area over there and uh, maybe he decides he goes back there and oh march you know there's just no coyotes here all of a sudden you know and and that all stems completely around a whole nother topic of of coyotes in general and and why they're here and not there and you know um and so you, you you know that exactly like you're saying is is uh, just because you buy one and you go out there and you throw it on the ground doesn't mean you're gonna kill a coyote. You might not be within earshot of a coyote when you put it there, you, you know. And yep, yep, And that's yeah, I mean you that's why I say a, a really effective, good coyote hunter is one who pays attention to everything. If you're on a stand, you get coyotes and, and they don't say they're not working for you. Uh, maybe it was some of the sounds you threw to him maybe you threw uh, too much at him at once or or just kind of you need to learn to recognize body language of a coyote a little bit and, and just kind of understand like where they're at and and their life cycle and and what you're trying to do maybe the wind was wrong I mean usually it's something pretty simple if you if you just stay real open-minded, you know, and you, you just kind of pay attention to like, this one came in over, you know, or this one didn't. But it don't, even though if you do get it figured out, don't, don't take it as it's going to kill one every time you sit down and press play, even if you do everything right, because <laughs> it still don't work that way. It's just some days that they just do what they do and you don't know. But, uh, you know, you can to pick out and put yourself down a strategy of, of uh, a game plan. Of what you're gonna do, um, and what you're how your eyes wide open when you go into your stands, and when you walk away from a stand, and, and you just try to walk away with a little bit of knowledge of, hey, you know, next time, next time on a south wind, I'm gonna call that spot, but we're gonna call it from right over there. I think that's the spot. You know, that's what makes you, you know, get to where you you know your coyotes in your area, you know, you know where they're at, what you're doing. You kind of know what to give them next time and you set up a strategy, and that's what makes you good. A oh, good for sure. Hunter. For sure.
0: Yeah. So let's take a look at what's the you know general landscape of coyote hunting in South Dakota. That's you know, kind of one of the, the fun things I like to do on this podcast. I get guys, you know, from all over the country. Um, and you know, and then if you're listening to this, you might not ever have a chance to hunt South Dakota or maybe other places we talk about, but I think it's fun to talk about just maybe some unique things um maybe in the coyote hunting world that that are unique to south dakota if that makes sense i mean yeah terrain wise i mean anything you can think of that um you know i'm sure you've hunted other places obviously and um you know kind of what makes south dakota what it is for coyote hunting hey guys sorry to interrupt the podcast but i want to take a second to talk to you about hornady ammunition Ten bullets through one hole is the philosophy that brought Hornady from a two-man operation in 1949 to a world-leading innovator of bullet ammunition, reloading tool and accessory design, and manufacture today. So whether I'm blasting coyotes with my AR-15 and those 53-grain VMAX superformance rounds or shotgunning coyotes with the 3-inch nickel-plated BB, you won't find anything that's more accurate, deadly, or dependable to use on coyotes. So, if you're in the market to test out some new rounds through your rifle or shotgun, visit Hornady.com to find the nearest dealer today. Now, back to the podcast.
1: South Dakota's got a pile of coyote hunters, and I'll tell you what, honestly, there are a bunch of good ones here. There's some good coyote hunters here in this state, and it's it's. I'd say you know, there's a good abundance of food source here, and there's a lot of water, and it always creates a good litter of pups. It seems every every spring so we have a fairly decent amount of of coyote population and uh there's
0: and like you mentioned you got a a wide variety of train options right it's just not one right same thing
1: clear across the state yeah i mean heck yeah i've hunted the state north southeast and west and you know i've been all over this state where guys have told me when i was driving to their place or farm to hunt you can't call coyotes here you can't kill coyotes here, you know. And they'd say, "Oh, it's too many guys. Oh, everybody's tried. You can't kill coyotes." So I go there and just pile them up, you know. And they'd be blown away. It's just different tactics, just different strategies, different thought processes of where you're going to place yourself and how you're going to attack the the job, you know. And, and and you go from hunting sleuths to hunting the badlands of South Dakota I mean it's just it's just it changes at every 50 miles it's it's something different and so it's really neat to be able to go to different places diverse yourself in different types of setups and areas and it's neat to learn that coyotes definitely have a different type of personality in different places Um, a lot of that I feel has to do with the amount of coyotes in the general area you know if you got a higher density of coyotes in uh, uh, a smaller area than they seem to react a lot different than some other areas, you know, and you may, you always try to take your tactics and you kind of try to use them, you know, wherever it is you go, but learning to be able to recognize and adapt to that change of that coyote's behavior, how he reacts, maybe, maybe they're just not aggressive coyotes, right. You know, in that area, maybe some of these other coyotes are just, older coyotes more mature they're more aggressive it's pretty neat to be able to take them tactics and figure them out and i've, I've always told everybody because south dakota is like <clears throat> huge coyote hunting state a lot of coyote hunters here but it's an enormous walleye fishing state and i say to guys they say they say well what would you do well if you go into this area jim like well what would you do what would, how would you do this i'd say and and i can relate this back because more people here fish walleye than anything I say, it's just like fishing walleye. You got to know what depth and what kind of structure, if they're, what kind of structure they're on and what color they want, if you're jigging, if you're trolling or if you're, I mean, it's just, you just kind of got to feel them out. You know, it's just like fishing walleye, oh, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's presentation and it's depth and it's speed and, and everything. It's just, that's just a coyote. It's the same thing, but it's just a coyote. So you got to keep an open mind. And just kind of give them a little bit of something and see how they react. If that's not something they want, why isn't that they want that? Well, maybe it's because it's, uh, uh, you know, the wrong time of year. Well, I'm going to throw them a little bit of food today or something instead of a fight, you know. Or, hey, I'm going to throw them. I'm going to pick a fight with them because it's denning season, you know what I mean? And I'm in his territory or something, you know. You just got to be able to be open-minded and, and feel them out a little bit
0: it's funny we talk about the same thing a lot you know it's just fishing you know you just some days yeah you know what worked yesterday doesn't always work today yes, you know kind of absolutely. deal and that's um yeah nothing's ever 100 percent, man that's what makes it makes it interesting that's for sure
1: absolutely i i and that's what's so neat you know i think and that's what keeps me going more you know hunting coyotes and and enjoying it like you know I've hunted, the, I've hunted deer, I've shot some big deer, I've, I've, I've shot elk, I, um, you know, I ain't killed a moose or anything yet, but I just kind of get a little bit to where eventually that stuff kind of, it's fun, but, uh, you know, I don't really have that desire to chase the deer or the elk or anything like that really much anymore, I'd just rather take those days I'd waste on that and just go coyote hunting, you know, I, I enjoy the challenge to the change the dip for of the coyote hunting
0: what uh, what percentage of South Dakota would you say is public land is there quite a bit
1: you know there is there is quite a bit of public land here um, I you know we have some counties to the north of us here that some of them counties in general just the counties are made up of close to 70 80 percent of that county would be public land um, then you know we have some of our public lands further to the south and um, I think I think down it's around the same there 70 80 I was really hoping it'd be pretty cool to get the world event here some year. We kind of yeah. I just
0: googled it right here to kind of see. Um, it's in South Dakota. It's only about three and a half percent BLM ground. Um, but you got to have some other right. I mean, what other you got? Yeah. national forests probably out out west around Rapid. We got State, yeah, Black Hills.
1: Yeah, we got a lot of a lot of national forests, but then you know we've got we've got lands we've got public walk-ins that are leased I'd say I we got quite a pretty big chunk of, of public lands here national grasslands and badlands down south and you know Fort Pier National Grasslands Buffalo Gap grasslands um, Hardin County I mean Hardin County is made up. Oh, I think 70 80 percent of Hardin County is school land and BLM and public walk-in and that's just one county I know but I mean, there's a lot of public accessible lands in south
0: dakota okay here we go i found a found a website here that's actually uh it's called ballotpedia.org it actually has it all listed out um south dakota you're looking at 5.4% public land you got 2 2.6 million acres of uh federal land and then you got another you know Well, you got 48 million total acres. So yeah, 2.6 million of those are, are public hunting. So that's pretty good, but that's actually just, this is actually just federal land ownership. So that doesn't even count. Like you said, the the walk-in, um, you know, some of the state programs and stuff like that. So yeah, definitely some good opportunities then for guys, uh, you know, if you're looking to, to make a trip out of state, you know, that's exactly what you oh, really yeah. tell everybody, right? Go to South Dakota to shoot. <laughs> <kites>. <laughs>
1: yeah, stay away. Dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, I've always wanted to go up into that. Uh, you know, I tra- we travel up to Rapid City and stuff quite a bit. I, um, you know, through some of that stuff, you know. And yeah, you know, you talked about the Badland country, which is really cool. Um, I've talked to a lot of guys who go out and shoot prairie dogs. Uh, oh yeah, you know, in your country, and um, you know, those same guys talk about going back out to hunt coyotes, but I don't know how many of them actually do. You know, but
1: yeah, now we got a lot of a lot of bird dog shooters in this country up here. Lots, lots, a lot of bird dogs. But it's, I mean, there's there's good. You know, I will say, over the last two years, um, the coyote numbers have declined. Now, whether that be from maybe some real wet springs um maybe some pups got some parvo you know maybe we didn't have and you see it in different areas it's never as a whole because you see certain areas where pup numbers thrive very well one year and then other areas that they don't and uh, oh yeah that can be lots of different things disease it can be you know just maybe the females didn't litter real well or you know um lots of different things but uh
0: You know, back to that real quick, you know, it's a cyclic deal, you know, obviously with rabbits and coyotes, you know, it seems like, but in your country, your country is similar to ours where coyotes have multiple, you know, multiple food sources. It's just not solely rabbits where in some parts of the country, you know, you get out in that, you know, some of these Western and Southwestern States, um, you know, like Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, Nevada, you know, I would, I'm just guessing, but I'm saying, you know, coyote diets are made up of probably well over 75 percent of rabbits i agree with you that. know so when you have a huge die off of rabbits i think you see that huge fluctuation in the coyote numbers um in in states like those out where we're at you know i think man there's just so many rodents uh um, yeah not rabbits so i think to me it's like i don't see the huge declines in coyotes based off the rabbit numbers for us it's more of like the mange um you know some stuff like that that'll knock coyotes down but Usually when that happens more localized, you know, to a particular ranch or a particular part of the county or something like that. You know, would you would you agree? Kind of would you see the same things where you're at?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It seems like once they get populated enough, Mother Nature definitely has its own way of taking care of them. And in mange once you see higher densities, you'll see like a really good year, you'll have really good numbers and coyotes would be real thick. And then and then maybe the following year, you also you can almost see it come as say, Oh, we're gonna have mage bad next year. You know, and then, you, and then you won't see it in the beginning, and then all of a sudden, bam, that mange will show up there halfway through the coyote season. Like, damn isn't it. that
0: wild? That's always wild it to is. me, isn't it? How like you start shooting them early on, and in end October, first November, you're like, wow, man, these coyotes are looking pretty good, and yep. they might have a touch of pink. You know, maybe just a little bit of a pink crotch on them. Yep. Um, still, still sellable. And then all of a sudden, like you said, it's just, I don't, I almost wonder, I've always wondered if it's like once, once they get some stress on them, you know, with the, with the weather changing and it's just a little bit harder for them to hunt. Um, it's almost like it just kicks it into hyperdrive almost for them.
1: It does. Yeah. It seems like it, it seems like once the food sources get less plentiful and, and things like that, it's when you really start to notice it. And it's like, dang, man, now, now our numbers are going to suck next oh, year, yeah. you know?
0: Do you you see a lot of the neck mites? Um, You know, we, we don't kill uh, this year. I probably, I killed twice as many coyotes with the neck mites as I did with the mange. And I don't really know if it's the same damn thing. You know, it really, it it looks different on a coyote to me. You know, if they, if they have the mange, they could be bald, you know, on their tail legs, you know, maybe their whole body, but when they get this neck mite, they usually have a really rust colored, pink colored crotch area. And then the only place they lose this a little bit of hair is right across the top of their shoulders, kind of on their backside of their neck, right? Kind of where through their hackles would be. And it's just a, it just thins out. It kind of looks real wiry. You know, you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. I'm just kind of explaining it to somebody listening that might not know what it is. You know, I need to do some research on that. I don't know if it's considered the same thing we call it neck mites. And then obviously we call the other thing mange. Um, I don't know if they're the same thing or if they're two different things, but nonetheless, it's an unsellable coyote when that happens, but we saw way more of that this year uh, than we actually did of the mange.
1: Yeah. Same here. So a lot of people are confused that neck mites with mange uh, when they see it. Um, but it's, it's like those neck mites are almost kind of like a flea and it, they, they, they concentrate up there around the warmer part of the neck, the shoulders like that, because that's where the heat concentrates on the, on the coyote. And uh, they get a lot of that from scratching and rubbing because they itch. So they, that's why they lose a lot of that hair up there on the top like that. Um, and to where the mange will usually start at the feet. And the mange is like, a you know, it starts in the feet, works up the inside of the groin and, and, and stuff like that. And I was kind of confused a long time ago about that whole mange thing, because I had a biologist one time I was talking to him. And uh, he said, well, sometimes you can't uh, decipher just because they got a pink belly. If it's mange. And I said, Well, I was always under the understandings and told by trappers for many years that pink belly means that uh, it's a coyote's mange. And even though the rest of the whole coyote looks good, they you know, they say, Well, that's people would always say, Well, that's mange. Well, that's biologist told me, says, Well, sometimes them female coyotes, you'll see them female coyotes, you'll roll them over and they'll have a little bit of that pink belly. He said, That can be a urinary tract infection, that can be completely consisted off of a diet basis of what they're feeding on that's interesting and, uh, and i didn't know that so i was kind of like oh well you know walked away learned something new that day you know but he said yeah sometimes you'll see those coyotes like that or and he said they'll not look like that at all and all of a sudden they'll get that little pink belly but he said later in the year that coyote won't it won't have means, it will still have a little bit of pink belly and he said that's that's what that is and i was like huh well we're learned something new. I didn't, never heard, never heard that before, you know. Yeah, but it's crazy said, to be yeah. with
0: the mange, though, you know, you never, you'd think you'd eventually get rid of it, you know, especially in your country, in our country, we, we do get winter, you know, where it's stretches yeah. of way below zero for multiple days, and you would think to yourself, all right, this is going to thin this out, you know, but yeah, I think it's here to stay, man. I I don't know if you're ever gonna gonna get i think it's just gonna be a cyclic thing you know it'll be okay some years and then it'll really spread and wipe some coyotes out i think it is obviously killing some of the coyotes off but it's not killing all of them off every year and then obviously once once they make it into this time of year when the weather starts getting nicer you know all they're doing now is spreading it to their mate or their litter or whatever you know it's
1: you're right you're right and then they both get it and maybe mom will board pups or yeah oh you know, it's just and that's that's a bad thing you see it this this late in the year like that and and, you know, it'll have an effect on the next year's crops usually, you know, because like, be, I heard they pick it up mostly around the dens, you know. Yeah. And you see
0: it a lot in our country, like around uh, feedlots where they got dead pits and stuff like that, where the coyotes, yep. it's, it's a contact thing, you know, so they have to come in contact with some other coyote that has it. So, you know, if you got right. multiple coyotes in on a, a dead pit with dead cow carcasses or pig carcasses or whatever they're, you know, and they're rubbing against each other, and get you know, you see a lot of it around there. And I think, too, you see this, I'm sure, you know, these mangy coyotes just act a little different. It's like their, their psyche is just blown almost, you know, (laughs) they don't act like normal coyotes. So it's, you know, I don't think they hunt like a normal coyote. They're, they're looking for easy stuff. And maybe that's why they congregate around more around these dead pits. And maybe it's not so much that they're just spreading it right around there, but I don't know. It's an interesting topic. We could probably spend a whole podcast. It'd be interesting (laughs) to maybe get like you said, a biologist or somebody that, you know, studies this stuff, because there's a whole history thing of this, you know, a lot of people think mange was introduced by the, you know, wildlife services agency to try to, you know, eradicate coyotes, Um, you know, whether that's the case or not, I don't know, but be kind of a fun topic to look into.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not super knowledgeable on it. I know I just see a lot of different stuff, try to talk to a lot of different people and learn a lot of different views on it, you know, stuff like that but
0: oh yeah for sure well last thing i want to talk about you know earlier this fall you and i were out there hunting the worlds got to got a chance to visit a little bit um you know and and through our conversation we talked, you know this would be kind of fun to to visit a little bit about you know guys like ourselves that come from a mid the midwest you know nebraska south dakota that head out west to a new state um and kind of just some of the differences you know really you know how it all unfolds when you go to a new spot like that, that you've never really been to.
1: Oh, absolutely, man. Was that your
0: first, was that your first time out in that Nevada, Idaho, you know, country?
1: It was, that was my first time ever, ever going into them. That style of country ever anywhere in that, in them States at all. And I'll tell you what, it was pretty cool. That was pretty neat experience, man. It's pretty cool. Anybody who ever gets opportunity definitely should take it. It's a, it's, it's an eye-opening experience, lots of different things to to that you'd pick up and learn. And it's it's pretty cool. Um the way I, w- I guess I was kind of taken back a little bit on some of the 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 terrain and, and just how the tiles worked. It was cool. It was cool, you know, just seeing how they a- reacted. Pretty we,
0: you know, the, the great thing about those states, the thing that I've always loved about it is the amount of public access, you know. So a guy, you know, obviously we have Onyx. You know, apps on our phone now, so we can look at land ownership and we can find things out. But when you go out there, you start looking at all these massive amounts of public land. Um, oh, huge. And it, it'd be picture of this. I, I like to tell people this that don't understand. It'd be like me making a forty mile drive here in Nebraska, where in Nebraska it's all all private. So I couldn't I couldn't hunt it unless I stopped in and got permission. Well, out in that country, I can make a forty mile drive, and guess what? If that looks like an awesome spot to go call coyotes, guess where I go. <laughs> yeah i can pull yeah. right in there and you can make the coyote stand it's not always gonna be great but you know you can just do that which is that's that's the thing that's always intrigued me when i've been to those states you know whether it's arizona new mexico nevada oregon idaho you know it's just the the, the vastness of the public land and yes you can just go and hunt
1: yeah yeah that's like i mean we the gr- the amount of ground that we covered was just mind-blowing for days and days and we could hunt every square inch of it <laughs> you know? it's so cool it was so cool
0: and
1: and you know like it's kind of funny because the guy I hunted with and stuff you know he he always give me a little bit of crap and oh yeah you, s- you see all that yellow grass over there you probably would jump out of the truck and run over there and blow on a call you know and, and I was like dude man there's coyotes in that stuff, <laughs> you know and uh it was it's just kind of you know everything changes it's different you have to really be aware of your surroundings and you put you you try to put a plan together and and you do your homework as best as you can what the short time you're there it's all public land and you just you try to do the best that you can and it's really neat it's really it's 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 an experience it's a really cool experience and i absolutely cannot wait i cannot wait to get back at it again this this fall it's uh Really looking forward to it.
0: I had heard they're actually going to move the worlds down there to uh, Southern Utah, I believe, this year. Maybe St. George, somewhere in that country, yep. which is a lot of public down there too. Obviously, shoot over in Nevada, it? down into sure. Arizona. You know, Utah has tons of public as well. If, if the coyotes aren't running scared from their fifty dollar bounty, you know that they have <laughs> in place or have had in place
1: for a lot of years, you know. So, so I mean, I mean, worlds this year, like. <clears throat> We struggled we struggled to uh, really put any big numbers of coyotes up we we shot well we uh, killed everything we called in just wasn't enough to scratch out where we wanted to be but uh you know we struggled really hard how about you i mean was it tough for you did you seem like the numbers were down
0: yeah i mean you know everybody where if you talk to 100 coyote hunters from 100 different places, probably 99 of them are going to tell you, oh, we got tons of coyote hunters where we live. You know, there's coyote hunters everywhere, you know, and that's just the name of the game in this day and age. You know, everybody's kind of getting into it and, you know, dabbling in a little bit, you know, and stuff like that. Well, that's no different when you go out to places like that. You know, those places have lots and lots of coyote hunters. And, um, you know, the good thing about it is you do have millions of acres of, of public land that you can get on. So it does take some strategies to kind of say, okay, I'm out here in December trying to kill some coyotes. Well, you know, how how hard has this stuff been hit by other people, you know, over the last, you know, couple months? And now in this day and age with thermal and and things like that, you know, there's more and more guys hunting year round. So um that even affects that equation even more. So yeah, I mean, it's a struggle. When you just try to show up to a place um, you know, and not really have any idea it's tough luckily for you and i you know we each had a couple of good guides you know you hunted with craig sandy who lives up there you know that spends a lot of time out there you know i hunted with seth simpson which the same deal they live up there and that's that's always a great huge advantage um to have somebody on your team that has a pretty good knowledge of, of where you're going to go and where you should be going to start you know um and i'm sure you felt that way too you know I'm, you may have done stuff different you may have not seen some spots Um, just, you know, by having his local knowledge of, of hunting that area, which is, which is important in my opinion.
1: Oh, it's, it's tournaments are are solely one on your ground period. If you're in coyotes and you know how to handle coyotes, you know, I mean, tournaments are straight up one on ground period and doing your homework and just being, putting yourself in them. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like we could have scratched out a few more coyotes. Uh, we probably made a little bit of a mistake. We had some coyotes I got vocal with us and <clears throat> we decided hey man it is 9 30 in the morning first day of the hunt we already have three big coyotes down you know it's going to take us if, if we got a pair back here for sure and they're both in each there's one in each drainage we thought well we could take the time and walk all the way back up in there because there's no trails and over there you can't just drive off of a trail and make your own yeah, road. Yeah, that's,
0: that's a big difference. Where I'm at, yes. we just off-road on these ranches, and you're kind of picking your way around and getting to where you want. Yeah, when you're talking sagebrush everywhere, yeah, you just can't drive in it.
1: Uh-uh. And so from a, a road that would have cut us anywhere near them, them, them coyotes, uh, we were looking two hours, you know, probably on foot to get in, execute those stands, and get back out for sure. And we're like, well, <clears throat> it's 9.30. We know there's two coyotes up there. That would give us our five. We'd be done if everything goes perfect. If we go in there and we kill both of them and we get them drug out, hey, we'll be done. 1.32 o'clock. We'll have our five. Let's just wrap it up there. We th- we pondered on it. We're like, no, no, no. We know there's coyotes down here. We know there's coyotes on these flats. And let's just move and jump, you know, road hop. And let's just bam, 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 knock out our next two coyotes and be done. You know, we're done for the day. Yeah, that didn't work out for us. (laughs) (laughs) We never killed a coyote or seen a coyote the rest of the day, you know. And um, so it's just kind of one of those things like, you know, do you or or do you not when you know you have a coyote right here? do Do you spend that extra time just trying to kill a coyote? You know, do you walk off that coyote to just hope? That further down the road in 10 more stands, you're gonna kill another one versus you know there's one here. He's screaming at you. And you just killed his buddy over here that screamed at you. You know we can go over there and probably still kill that coyote. And I feel that's where we probably made mistakes. we walked off them coyotes and we would have had our first five. and yeah,
0: That's uh, always the part tough part is the you know, it is. You gotta have a plan A, you gotta have a plan B, you gotta have plan C, and you know, knowing when to pull the trigger you know, not try to, you know, stay yeah. with plan A too <laughs> long, you know, and uh, that's one thing that I've always liked about contests is strategy and stuff. And that's kind of what we ran into first day, you know, we were clear over in Oregon, stuff that where we had done well, the, the previous couple of years, and it, it's all public BLM. And we were in there and just weren't seeing coyotes, you know, we killed one coyote. Um, and then we ran into a rancher um, that was actually elk hunting in there. And we had never seen anybody in this area ever. And we'd hunted it for the last three years. And, you know, we get to talking to him and he starts talking about all the coyote hunting he does in that area. So now, you know, we're thinking, dang, you know, this might not be the spot we need. So we actually pulled up and drove four hours back to Idaho. So that was the decision we made, you know, about 10 o'clock in the morning. We thought, you know what, if we pull the plug now, we can get back into Idaho and have maybe three hours to hunt and have a better chance to kill our four coyotes to finish the day with five. Um, you know, and we scrambled. We, we ended up killing three, uh, but just didn't yeah. quite get the four fourth one over there you know so it almost paid off but um you know but that's the fun of it is executing those plans and and yep. see a new country you know honestly that's what i like to do is pull up to that stuff like you talked about you get out there never seen it before it looks different than what you're used to and, and you say okay let's let's put these tactics together um put the things to use that we know and and see what we can do
1: yeah you know and that's it too i mean like our very first day in the morning and we were walking into that stand and, and, and Craig stops and we're in the dark and he stops and turns and looks at me. He's like, this is never going to work. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> you know? And he's like, this ain't going to work. This ain't going to work. There's no way we're going to call them coyotes out of there. It's like, dude, trust me. I, I, I just said, man, I kill them like this all the time. Back in South Dakota, them coyotes will come across us. They will. We, it, it all, it was a perfect setup basically because of the time the time frame of the morning and what the coyotes were doing and how they were working themselves back to their, their, their homes for the day, you know, and I said, trust me, trust me, we'll kill a coyote. Well, I know their coyote in here. I mean, we didn't, we just got out of the truck and I heard them howling. So I knew where they were at. I knew it's like, oh, they're, they're going back and, and we can get in front of them we we'll kill that kaya and we did i shot that coyote about 225 yards in front of craig he's like where what's it at I'm like, it's right <laughs> in front of you <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's good
0: I, so, you know i know craig pretty well you know and um i like to give craig some crap you know because he's he's a little older than me not a whole lot but i always give him a crap right for being real old so i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to tell him about them old eyes here the next time i see him you know
1: oh yeah the first three coyotes (laughs) I killed Craig never seen any of them (laughs) I shot three coyotes he comes over you know finishes stand on the second or the third stand third stand first one I killed one second was a blank third stand I killed a big male and he's like he's like well why were you sitting right here I said because I was covering the back door and he's like oh well let's go I'm like I gotta go pick my coyote up he's like what you shot So <laughs> I, I killed a car right there where this right there about 60 yards and he starts looking he's like well I'll be and then the next very very next stand i killed a big old male remember i came in with that big male i killed that yep. big male on that stand. moment craig was like what made you want to sit right here i said man you can't get what you can't see bud that's right you know and then i wound up shooting that big male and He's like, like, I don't know why you're doing it or what you're doing, where you're setting, but you just keep doing it. I said, man, this is how we own them in South Dakota, dude. (laughs) You know, this is, these are South Dakota tactics I'm using here. But that country was, you know, it was such, it was another real mixed variety again. You know, you had big sage flats and the big sage flats only went down to like one pond bed. That was the only pond bed in the whole area that had water. And then the big sage flats that come off there and they go up in this great big drainages and then go up into really big rocks, you know. And you get up into the big rocks and the coyotes. Heck, let well, I me mean, look at what the weather did while they we're there. It went from being kind of cool and nice like a couple days before to what was it, 65, 70 degrees?
0: Yeah, yeah, it was great weather.
1: Yeah, they're just going up and laying up in them rocks, you know. And fortunately for us to get up in them rocks was quite, the, quite a chore to get over <laughs> there. So. <laughs> but we got a few shot and <clears throat> it was a good time it was a good experience and it, man you, you know the whole way back home driving back to south dakota i was like i sit there and think, but man we should have done this and you know what i should have went with my gut we should have. we should have just went with your gut instinct and just done it that's where we should have done that but you never know you know but some things you know always run through a guy's mind on the way on a road trip home yeah it's long. it's a long trip
0: <laughs> well you know A good coyote hunter, obviously you're, you're locking that in the memory bank, you know, next time, you know, you just, you just built up, you know, a little, you know, added tips and tactics and stuff to your bag of tricks. You know, the next time you go back there, you know, you're going to be that much more efficient
1: for sure. Yeah. 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 I'm look. I'm really looking forward to it again, uh, this fall it's going to, you know, it's just personal goal stuff, you know, that a guy tries to set, standards for and goals and i oh, don't know that's just that's just me i'm just that way heck yeah that stuff is it important good, it was a good time great time and the the people i mean like just some really really great people at the world so it's just you can tell like when you're in that room you're you know just honest people like <laughs> you you can tell like you know you go to some contests and you always hear stuff too it's oh that guy's a cheater Oh, uh, that guy cheats, you know what I mean? And oh yeah. And people will always say those kind of things, and and I just you don't get that vibe at the worlds at all. Like everybody just seems like they're real honest, uh just people who flat love hunting coyotes. Good people. I like it. It's a good yep. environment. That's where that's I, that's where I like. That's always hate.
0: what I've loved about contests in general, just camaraderie, you know, seeing guys, you know, you'll see yeah. them. You know, in this day and age of social media, it's pretty easy to to communicate with guys and you will get a message here and there from guys, but that's really your one chance a year to, to visit with these guys face to face and um, you know, shake their hand and that kind of stuff. And yeah, I've always, I've always loved that, you know, for some reason, I don't ever make it back. That'll be the, that'll be the main thing I miss with, with some of these contests is not uh, getting to interact and, and visit with these guys. That's for
1: sure. Oh, absolutely, man. It's, it's always cool. And that's, that's exactly what I love with contests. I love I I the the people the camaraderie it's it's good stuff, you know, it's it's what I live for I love it I love killing Kyle's you know heck I was out killing Kyle's two nights ago and had Kyle school me up on what I should be and not be doing you know it's crazy you just got to keep an open mind
0: yeah it's a continuous process man for sure it is it is it <laughs> well is. before before we cut this podcast off you're working on a little YouTube project why don't you why don't you tell everybody about that.
1: Yeah, so we're going to, you know, we're going to start a YouTube channel called, you know, or it's going to be called The Setup, and, you know, it'll be, there's a lot of different things about the show that, that you know, we'll, we'll have on there. It'll be gear, obviously, you know, gear-based type stuff like that too, but it'll be, you know, on just little tips and tactics type deals of, you know, why I set up like this on this coyote stand, and, you know, my when you walk walk into a stand, you know, this is what I'm looking for. And that's why I choose to do it. I, I say to sit here and, you know, and then, you know, a lot of just like family, you know, um, wife and kids and stuff like that. I really enjoy, you know, taking kids out. You know, if it wasn't for a guy that that I uh, met along the way, I you know, I don't I probably wouldn't have gotten where I got hunting coyotes because, it, you know, I came from a big game, large, you know, big game family and this guy, you know, took me out kayaking for the first time. So that's kind of like what I want to share, you know, the setup, you're setting them kids up for, you know, future of, of, you know, going out and doing it and being successful on their own and trying to, you know, you're instilling something into yeah, that yeah. generation of kids and stuff. So that's kind of what it's going to be about.
0: Now um, you've been filming for a while, right? I mean, you got quite a bit of footage in the, in the tank. You're just uh, kind of waiting to get it all put together and, and start
1: launching yeah. stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's, and it's, you know, we had some <laughs> mishaps with filming and stuff and, and, you know, just trying to get good footage and it's tough, you know, like.
0: Well, filming coyotes is no joke, man. Uh, anybody is that no Anybody has joke. ever tried it, it's, it adds a whole nother dynamic to the deal. That's for sure.
1: Absolutely. It does. And, you know, everyone's got to be on board to really capture the whole moment. And that's the challenge of filming that I really enjoy is being able to to, you know it's so cool when you when you get a good hunt and it lays out and you come home and you watch it back and you don't you don't have to do nothing fancy no anything cool you just went hunting and it all fell in play like you know all the shots you got throughout the day and that's kind of the other thing that we're going to do is we're not going to go back and shoot b-roll for two days to try to make an episode look like it's something it's not we're going hunting we're just going to go if you see us miss a coyote we miss a coyote we're you know or if uh we're just we're just gonna we're just gonna go kayak hunting and and put it out there like it is and and not try to make it too glamorous and you know fake. I don't want to do. Oh yeah, try to keep that. it real, man. Yeah, keep it real, man. Just go and coyote hunt. So yeah, we're gonna have that kicked off here hopefully by by fall. But we're gonna get a couple couple oh you know pilot so episodes out and stuff like that for people to see. But come nice. fall, yeah. We got a lot of footage, and uh, looking looking forward to it. I feel we have a really good editor on the hook for this thing, and I think he's going to put it together, and it's going to fit well. Well, so yeah, everybody, look for nice. it. Nice, the setup.
0: I like the name setup.
1: Yep. Heck yeah. Well, buddy. Yeah.
0: I appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. It was fun talking about uh, South Dakota and some other experiences and stuff like that. So, really appreciate you coming on, man.
1: Absolutely, man. It's a good time being here, Jeff. Appreciate it.
0: And also, want to thank everybody for listening too. Um, you know, in really three short months, Eastman's Predator Pros has basically become the number one predator hunting podcast. So, I want to thank you for listening. And obviously, we can't do this without our sponsors. So, we've got to thank them Lucky Duck Predator Calls, Swagger Bipods, Sig Sour Optics, Onyx Hunt, tech, Hornady, and Black Rifle Coffee Company. And of course, we got to Give a big thanks to Eastman's for throwing this all together. Couldn't do it without them. So be sure and get on their website and see everything they have to offer in the big game hunting world. So until next time, we'll catch you right here on the Eastman's Predator Pros Podcast.